It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's deflected. And picked up Mosey. He'll take it in. It's a pick six and a touchdown. Fell into the middle of that line. And it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder. 85 yards. There was contact with a quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and what? it's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's the weekend mailbag, so we get out from the quarantine, Mr. Chris Nimbley of JetsInsider.com, the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, and of course, above all that, a very big deal. Chris, I need to know your thoughts on a guy who is trying to even big deal you this past week. And then, of course, Logan Ryan, the free agent, most recently with the Tennessee Titans, before that with the New England Patriots. There were all the reports. Manish started it, and then you heard from Mike Garofalo and Ian Rappaport of NFL Network that Logan Ryan was possibly on the verge of signing with the Jets. Now, let's bear in mind that the report itself said that the Jets believed they were going to get a deal done, and that's something that Manish originated, but that Garofalo and Ian Rappaport backed up. Then he makes the announcement that he's going on Good Morning Football, goes on there, everybody gets all excited, thinking that he's going to announce that he's signing with the Jets, and instead he just basically tells people he's open for business, no decision's been made, and he'll make an announcement on his Instagram when the time comes. This was more or less an infomercial for his free agent services, and while as a Jets fan you have to be aggravated, Joe Blewett texted me after working an overnight shift and said, I can't believe I stayed up an extra hour for that BS. You got to be in awe a little bit, too, that he mastered the medium so well and was able to manipulate the situation to get himself all that attention. I want to get to that aspect of it in a bit because, like I said, I think Logan Ryan was trying to even big deal you, which is almost impossible to do. The Manish aspect of this story, people are going to say that I'm defending him because he comes on this show. As anybody who's been a longtime listener knows, that's not what I do. I push back on Manish to his face on the show when he says something that I think is wrong or when he does something that I think is wrong. I'm more than happy to say when I think that he's done something wrong. In this case, A, look at the wording of the report. He said, that his sources said that the Jets believed they were going to get a deal done, and B, Rappaport and Garofalo, two very connected reporters, said the same thing a day later. This clearly is not a situation where Manish was making this up. Obviously, things turned one way or another, and now we're hearing that Logan Ryan may want $10 million a year, which, good luck, buddy, if you can get it, fine. I don't see why anybody would pay that to a guy in May especially a cornerback who's getting close to 30 right now. But this whole story is kind of wild, and it's very 2020, or at least 
something in the last couple of years because of the nature of how it played out. So, Chris, as somebody who's on the beat, I wanted you to address what I just said about Manish. I was curious if you had the same opinion. And then talk a little bit about the Logan Ryan story itself, because as somebody who's done some marketing and communications, I thought it was an incredibly savvy move. And if nothing else, this may have shown definitively that Logan Ryan's got a career in media lined up for him when he's done, because this was a masterstroke, I thought anyway. Well, it's funny because as you were talking about, uh, you know, the story about uh, Joe Blewett's reaction, all that made me think of is uh, the Le'Veon Bell al- album release party. Uh, <laughs> because, because, yeah, Logan Ryan did good. He finessed the situation, but he, he had pales in comparison to the Le'Veon Bell uh, get everybody to listen to my album because they think that I'm going to announce where I'm signing <laughs> by, <laughs> on my album. That that takes the cake. Um, but yeah, this I mean, listen, this isn't the first time we've seen a player do something like that, this uh, and especially with nothing going on right now. Uh, normally at this point of the year, a Logan Ryan isn't going to get a lot of attention for that. People are preparing for their summer. They're busy at work trying to finish things up so they can go on their vacations. They're thinking about summer. The draft has already passed. Maybe you're waiting for mini camp stuff, but people aren't too focused on a Logan Ryan type signing at this point of the year. Uh, They're a little hyper-focused on any type of morsel of sports news at all right now i don't know if anybody listening's noticed but people are starved for sports and the tiniest little morsel will get people going crazy he took advantage of it that's for sure um yeah i agree with you on manish too you get it's it's very simple it's you pointed out you have to look at how things are worded and they're worded uh, specifically for a reason and all reporters do it I do it myself, and that's why you always hear me like couch what I say and how I'll explain, and you'll hear me do it when I talk about what I've heard about Logan Ryan. Um, but I do it all the time when I'm like, yeah, I've heard this. I just don't know how true it is. Um, reporters, most reporters don't go and say it quite like I do, um, you know, because they want to give more of an impression that they actually definitely know. Um but the way he worded it was the Jets believe that they, they're going to sign him. Um, how strongly do they believe? Uh, do all the Jets believe that? Or is it just one person inside the Jets building that thinks that? And do they think that because they don't think that anybody else is really uh, after him? Or do they think that they want him so bad that they're going to be the highest bidder? There's plenty of wiggle room. There's plenty of answers to be asked before you could get close to saying that that's some type of guarantee that Manish put out there because that's not what he said at all. Um, I Now, once you hear the price that Logan Ryan said that he wants, yeah, I can't see the Jets doing that. I do know for a fact that the Jets have been talking uh, to his agent and they, they are – thinking about it they are interested in it this isn't this isn't hard to deduce that that is an absolute fact um i just don't see them paying anything like 10 million dollars 
for Logan Ryan. I also just don't see them giving out that type of money. From everything I have heard, too, they are trying not to spend money. Uh, that doesn't mean that they wouldn't for the right situation. I, I've, I haven't been told it's like a scale back and don't spend a single penny, but they're trying not to spend money. Um, and, you know, I'm sure this is something that come up in the mailbag. But if I was going to spend money, I'd probably, I'd definitely spend that money on Larry Warford before I went with uh, Logan Ryan. But it's going to come down to the price. And now he came out with, he's saying around ten million could just be a negotiation ploy, trying to play the Dolphins and the Jets against each other. He could end up signing for six or seven million still. Who knows? And if it's in the six or seven million range, I could see them doing that. Get eight and above, and I just don't think it's going to happen. But they are definitely doing it. Um, if you think what Manish tweeted out was a guarantee that it's going to happen and you're waiting to go and dunk on him if he signs elsewhere, I mean, that's that's going to be make you look foolish because it was not a guarantee. Um, and the Jets could – every person in that building could have believed that when Manish tweeted it. And there's lots of things that could change the – that would uh, not refute his report at the time, but make it so he signs elsewhere. And let's be clear on this too. The fact that Garofalo and Rappaport said the same thing means that there certainly was confidence in the building that a deal was going to get done. Now, whether it does in the end, that's to be determined, but obviously there was a pretty high level of confidence. If it wasn't for those two coming out and reporting the same thing, I would have said you could have made a really strong argument that Manish should have sat on the information or at least couched it differently and said that the Jets and Logan Ryan were making progress. But I think the fact that those two guys essentially backed up what Manish said tells you that there was more to it than just that they were making progress. Now, whether or not the whole thing ends up getting done, or as you said, he goes to the Dolphins, I guess that really depends on who offers what. And I'm with you. I think that if they can get him for six or seven million, there's a good chance they will. If it's more than that, they probably won't. And that leads to our first question in the mailbag from Michael Palace. He wants to know if it's fiscally possible for the Jets to get both Warford and Ryan and also wants to know if two beat reporters have sources that are giving conflicting information, who should you believe? So let's start with the Warford-Ryan part of this. It is possible to sign both of them, especially if they release Brian Winters. If they do that, that would free up the money for Warford, you would think, and then they could get creative and be able to fit Logan Ryan in, especially if it's, say, a one-year, $7 million deal. Now, whether or not they're actually willing to do that is another story, and I suspect that they're not. As far as the other part of this with the two beat reporters having conflicting sources and reporting conflicting things, it's really a case-by-case basis, to be honest. And it's also a matter of the reporter and that reporter's track record. So if you put the two together, you can figure it out. Typically, what I always say is that the reporter that has more distinct information, more details to the story, more meat on the bones, so to speak... And the one that has the better reputation is typically the one that I tend to believe. But as I said, it's case by case. Chris, what do you think? Could they theoretically find a way to get Warford and Logan Ryan if they wanted to? And what are your thoughts on the two beat reporters with conflicting information? 
they could theoretically get Warford, Logan Ryan, and find a way to page Dave and Clowney twenty million if they wanted to. If if they really wanted to, <laughs> they could figure it out. Uh, you know, they could they could extend Jamal with a smaller cap number this year. They could do that with other players. They could, like you said, uh, get rid of Brian Winters. A couple other moves. The teams can always create more cap room if they want to. Um, <clears throat> that obviously they're not doing all of that. They're certainly not paying JV and Clowney that much money. And it remains to be seen if they'll sign either Logan Ryan or Larry War- Warford. And I don't, uh, I don't see them doing it with Warford, even though I think that makes a lot of sense, but I have not heard anything uh, about them having any real interest there. Um, as far as, the two beat writers with conflicting information, it definitely is a case by case basis. Um, and you can go uh, a reputation for sure, depending on uh, what it is, but it, it's case by case, but hypothetically, let's just say one is really vague and one has, mm-hmm. like you said, more meat on the bones and more details. Um, if one is perfect, uh, purposely couched in a way to be like, you know, to leave wiggle room for when they're wrong uh, and then somebody's like, no, this is happening, then go ahead with that person who feels more confident. Uh, now, if that person ends up being wrong, then that person pro- probably moves to your, uh, you know, your not trusting list anymore. Um, but, you know, the thing is, uh, reporters get stuff wrong all the time and it's just an honest mistake. Um, there is especially we see it all the time with just fans uh, fans all of a sudden trying to act like they have the inside scoop this has become a trend lately mm-hmm. um, and there's re- there's certain reporters and uh, in Twitter who have a reputation for doing that uh, but there's also reporters who just sometimes just get things wrong and they weren't trying to uh, you know stir something up they weren't trying to just guess they just were given bad information um sometimes they get played by agents or teams and sometimes they're well aware of it sometimes they they're not um but it it depends like i said it's definitely case by case basis but you pay very careful attention to how the reports are framed um and sometimes it's a false bravado when people uh, are, come out with too much meat on the bones. But again, that those people will typically fall to your non-trusted list. Um, generally, the the more specific, the more details that uh, people have, uh, they're the ones that I would trust more. But you know, again, sometimes a, a reporter is a, a, reporters are always smart to leave themselves a little wiggle room. So I wouldn't hold, like, if we're just talking about that Manish tweet, I wouldn't hold it against him that he leaves himself with a little wiggle room and then just come out and say that, uh, that they're signing him. Like, it's, it's smart to do that because things change so quickly. You know, uh, grow, when we were growing up, when stuff didn't get reported uh, falsely that often because they had to go through so much stuff and usually it wouldn't run into the next day's paper anyway. Now things change a lot quicker. Look at the Anthony Barr situation. Like the reporters who said that he was signing here weren't wrong at the time. 
it's not their fault that Anthony DeBar changed his mind after he got that out there. So sometimes uh, I just think that it's it's really smart to go ahead and leave yourself that wiggle room as a reporter. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Jets Joe seventy three. He says, "At what price would you be in favor of trading Jamal Adams? In other words, if he were to demand twenty million dollars a year, would that mean that it would be a good idea to trade him? Also, in honor of the passing of the late great Jerry Stiller, what is your favorite moment from Seinfeld involving him? So let's start with the Jamal Adams part of this." I think that if the Jets offer to make him the highest paid safety in terms of guaranteed money, in terms of annual value, and he still wants significantly more than that, then it's probably time to go ahead and start thinking about trading him because then what he's telling you basically is he doesn't really want to be here. He'll only stay if you're paying him way above market value because if you're offering him the richest contract ever for a safety and that's still not really in the ballpark of what he wants – then you've got a problem. $20 million, if he's asking for that, then yeah, I would try and trade him. As far as Jerry Stiller goes, I know that everybody will talk about the Festivus episode, but for me, there was the episode where Elaine was begging him to come out of retirement from cooking because he had been a cook in Korea, and I guess he had accidentally food poisoned somebody, and he swore that he would never cook again, 
and she keeps asking him to come out of retirement to cook for this party that's going on, and he won't do it. And then finally, he snaps in the kitchen because his wife made a really dry omelet, and he just looks at her after she said, I'm the only one that cooks around here. You can't complain. And he goes, not anymore. I'm back, baby. And just the way his eyes lit up and the way he delivered the line was so perfect for that character. So that's probably my favorite Jerry Stiller moment from the Seinfeld franchise. Chris, I'm sure you've got plenty of them. What's your favorite? Oh, God. All of them. All of them. <laughs> and all the on all the Kings and Queens episodes as well. Um because uh, that man was a genius. I'm not. I'm not the biggest Ben Stiller fan, but man, do I love J- Jerry Stiller. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Festivus is obviously what one that most people would go to. But oh man, like you know, Serenity now, the <laughs> the Caddy, the the Rye episode, uh, Fusilli Jerry. Like, there's so many of them. I. The stop uh, the when uh, well, what does he call it when he stops short in the car and <laughs> Kramer and then he yells at Kramer is I invented the stop short move. Um, just uh, all of them, everything that man do- does was brilliant. And uh, yeah, if Jamal's asking for twenty mil, that I mean, I'm I'm making phone calls right away because I'm all for starting your negotiations high to come down and meet in the middle. But if that's your high point, that's like uh like one of my friends in uh, my home fantasy football league. That's how he starts trade offers. It's all he's always asking for the moon, and and I know nope because he used to wear you down that way, and then he'd get you to the point where it it would sound reasonable, but it was still an awful trade. So you you starting at that, I'm starting to make those trade offers right away. Uh, I don't he's that's seen money, but uh. Yeah, you know, if, if you see what he's, he wants, and he's obviously going to want to be the highest paid safety, but if uh, he starts talking about being paid like, you know, some a safety cornerback defensive edge combo, like, you know, like you see sometimes with uh, tight ends wanting to be paid, right? You, you start hearing something like that, then yeah, I'm going to start uh, making phone calls. Next question comes in from Sean Stalker. He says, Scott and the very big deal, Chris Nimbley, how is it that in his recent interviews, Adam Gase has come off as open-minded, charismatic, and smart, but as a coach, he often looks like a stubborn loner who can't adjust in-game. Also, has Chris recovered from the shock of Scott's Fuddruckers choice <laughs> So let's start with Gase. Listen, there are plenty of guys that come off well in interviews, and then when it comes time to actually doing something, they're just very different. It's a performance a lot of times in these interviews, and then when it comes time to actually make these moves on the field or strategize or work together with other people, they end up taking control and wanting to do everything their way, which is more or less what we've seen with Adam Gase so far, I think. Chris, what are your thoughts on this, and have you recovered yet from the Fuddruckers choice? Uh, I have not recovered from the Fuddruckers <laughs> choice. Uh, but again, it's just I forgot Fuddruckers existed. And as I was joking to you when we were texting earlier in the week, Fuddruckers makes me think of two things um, – Oh, I forget the name of the restaurant and office space with the pieces of flair now. 
and and shen- and shenanigans from Super Troopers. I I have them like associated. Uh, Fuddruckers almost seems like a, a a fake restaurant to me. Um, that Johnny Rockets is another one of those. I thought Johnny Rockets was like from the movies and wasn't a real restaurant forever. And then I was like, wait, that's a real restaurant? What the hell just happened? So no, I have not recovered from that. Um, and yeah, as far as Adam Gase, listen, I was just as shocked as everybody. Um, cause I, I didn't, I paid attention to him in Miami, obviously. I didn't watch enough pressers to see that side of him. And I saw the, like the presser where he got sick of the reporters asking him about Tannehill. And I was just like, oh yeah, all right. That fits his personality. Um, and that you do see that come up with him sometimes in pressers, but I was struck by this last year in mini camps and training camp. And I talked about it a lot. I, I, I said, I, when you get him outside of that, uh, on the field environment, he is a charismatic man. He is smart. He is fun. He's playful. He's got a good sense of humor. He's witty. He can take a little bit, uh, ribbing a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, like stuff that some coaches wouldn't take. Um, and he'll, he'll play with you. He'll fire back at you. He, he is a charismatic dude. And I said this during training camp and minicamp, I was like, I get why people like him. I get it. I, I can understand how he could win you over in a one-on-one conversation. Uh, and I do really like him uh, on a personal level in that way. That doesn't mean anything when it comes to coaching, unfortunately, though. And with that, we'll wrap up part one of the weekend mailbag. We'll be back with part two tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure that you follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could do that for us, we'd be really grateful. It's an easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time. It doesn't cost you any money, but it helps us out a lot. So if you could do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.